Hi, hello, and welcome to How to Build a Village. I'm Jill Martin Wren, and I am so happy to welcome Lynn Harris, the founder of the early stage startup Gold Comedy, which began with a simple premise women are funny. We need more women in comedy because comedy is power. When you tell jokes, you are in charge. You're on the mic. You might be outnumbered, but your voice is the loudest in the room. You're writing the story. You're telling it your way. That's power. More women should have that. More women of all colors and shapes and shoe sizes should have that. Because comedy is business. Comedy is work. It might be fun and funny sometimes, but it's how I get paid. And I will let Lynn tell me more about gold comedy and how she has reinvented herself from one career into, into the startup land. So welcome, Lynn. Thank you. It's great to see you. Great to be here. Seeing on podcast is weird to say, I know, but of course uh, you're doing this on Zoom. Um, but uh, it's great to hear your voice as well. I founded Gold a couple of years ago. We have recently morphed into exactly what I have wanted all along, which is we are the only platform for Gen Z women and non-binary folks. So, you know, older teens and uh, young women and non-binary folks who want to be their funniest selves. So basically we have an online space that is filled with comedy courses, comedy classes, comedy community, a community of comedy nerds who are there to uh, give you feedback bad ideas around, uh, partner, be your writing partner, uh, be your sketch writing partner. So that's all I have so far and I don't know how to end it. I absolutely love it, for one. Let's get to that part a little quicker. So let's practice some word economy there. In five minutes, you wanna have 15 laughs. That's pacing and joke density. I feel like you have like something like good there, but I feel like you're like overthinking it. So I feel like if you kind of just like, let that all go and just like go for it. So you really have to be selling yourself and believing yourself. Hi guys. All right, thank you guys. Uh, we have celebrity Q and A's every week. We have open mics every week. We have uh, performances for the for the gang every month. Um, all the people who are doing classes give performances. So it's really a community of comedy nerds from all over the country and all over the world who identify as female or non-binary and just want to sit and make things funny and make each other laugh. How have you managed to pivot during the pandemic, both logistically and also emotionally, because this is a time that isn't always so funny? Well, there's a bit of a story here, both just sort of a business story and a personal story. The business story is actually great in the sense that I didn't, I didn't have to pivot. Uh, I had always, it took me a while to get here for various reasons, but I had always imagined gold to be an online community. I had always, uh, because that's where you, first of all, <laughs> um, I didn't want to set myself up in any way to have to pay rent on a building in New York city. Number one, right. um, number two, uh, I really believed that the way to find, I really wanted to find the funny people uh, all over the country who, you know, who don't live in LA, who don't live in New York, who don't live in Chicago, who can't, you know, take the bus to, to Second City or UCB. Um, and I wanted to acknowledge that 
you first of all, you can teach and do and experience comedy online. It is it lives it lived online long before the pandemic, um, and that's the way. And just from a business perspective, um, that's the way to scale. You know, to be able to to not rely on on feet in the door and bricks and mortar. Um, so I had always envisioned that we would be on an online platform the way we are right now. So I didn't that part. I didn't have to say, oh, oh you know, you know, uh, record scratch you know, now we have to figure out how to deliver what we do on the computer machine. I was already, I already had that in mind. The push I got was actually, I was tr trying to figure out like, do we do, but how do we do that? Right. Do we, do we build our own app? Do we, do we string together, you know, a, do we kind of get some twine and string together a Facebook group with a, you know, with a, um, Side, side note, dumb idea, because, you know, young people, I love Facebook for my own purposes, not politically, not business wise, but that's not where the young people are. Right. Um, so do we string together somehow like, uh, you know, some new technology plus TikTok plus Facebook plus uh, Google Meet, like plus some teaching platform, like or do we build our own app? all very confusing. I wasn't sure what to do. And then the big pivot was not precipitated by a business decision so much as in the, and this is a, this is the upsetting part. Um, in May, my mom died um, of COVID. So always on trend, my mom. And so I, uh, I, that was the moment when I realized not the moment, but like a month or two, I, I don't know, it's all a blur, but a while later, I got, it got unbearable for me to still not be sure what decision to make about where and how to build what I knew I wanted to and could build. And I called an advisor, a longtime advisor, um, who would help me build the foundation for what I wanted to, to, to build with gold. And he said, have you heard of Mighty Networks? And I said, well, yeah, um, they're great. Um, and Mighty Networks is a, is a platform that enables businesses like Gold to do exactly what I, what I wanted to do without having, so I don't have to build it myself. It's like, it, it's like they build, they give you the tech and the, and, the, and the structure and you just bring your stuff in. It's like a raw party space. And the party space has, you know, has the, uh, the, the, uh, the big kitchen for the caterers and it has um, a great view and it has, um, an elevator and it has all the stuff you need, but then you bring your party. So it basically gives you the tech infrastructure and actually, uh, and all the tools for payments and uh, uh, the front end and the back end so that you can just come in and build the community you want to build. And I said, well, sure, George, I love Mighty Networks, but I haven't gotten, I haven't dealt with them yet because they don't offer, I can't integrate my courses, my online courses. And he said, now you can. And I didn't know that they had updated the product um, to be able to integrate courses really easily. And I was like, you're kidding. I mean, I really just called this guy. I'm like, George, I don't, I am, I, you know, I lost my mom. I can't think straight. I, it was months. It wasn't like right then, but it was, it was when I was ready to go back to work. But I was like, I can't think straight. I, I just, I literally need you and I trust you, you're not a rando. I need you to tell me what to do within what you know about gold and, and me. And that's what he said. And I was like, oh my God, I, if I hadn't asked him, I wouldn't have paid attention and known that Mighty was sitting there waiting for us to do exactly what we wanted to do. Um, 
so uh, because I really still couldn't think straight, I hired a, and also because we all need help, I hired a consultant to just help me figure out how to transition what we had onto this platform. The, the pandemic actually didn't make us, from a business perspective, did not require us to pivot at all because we, I had always envisioned gold to be online um, as a way to reach people all over the place and really build something where people can connect very easily all the time around the clock in one place. And in fact, I don't want to say that the pandemic was, it was not worth it, but given that it happened, it, um, it actually made things easy. It made it easier for me to communicate about gold because there had been a learning curve before where people were like, but how do you teach comedy online? Don't you have to be in the same place as your improv group? You know, and, and now since because people quickly got used to the idea of seeing teaching and experiencing comedy online, which by the way, it already was, it made it easier for us to talk about. There was no learning curve in terms of talking about what we offered. Number one, uh, number two, people, yeah, it, it just, we didn't have to, not only do we not have to sell the idea of comedy online, we definitely didn't have to sell the idea of comedy because um, this kind of comedy, this, you know, emerged quickly and organically, largely because comedians need to work. Uh-huh. Um, and they had lost their other platforms. And so they, you know, they, 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 like everyone else, put their work online more than before. They had been before, but more than before. Mm-hmm. And it didn't, it was a different, I didn't, I don't think it, it didn't feel like a time, the pandemic, even at the really acute beginning parts, especially here in New York, didn't feel like a time when you couldn't laugh at things. And I, I think about that a lot because I was doing stand-up at the time of, um, of September 11th. Mm. And that was when like, there was no laughter, mm. at least for a, week, a month. You know, that's when the onion shut down. Mm. That's when, you know, comedy clubs didn't have to shut down, but they did. Who could tell a joke? Mm. Um, and we were all, you know, we were paralyzed and it was only after the initial sort of shell shock wore off that comedians were able, even able to start to think about where's the humor in this. And obviously it's not about the tragedy itself. It's about our reaction to it. It's about the surrounding issues. It's, you know, it's, 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 it's comedy that captures our pain, right? Our pain, not the anything about the, you know, the, the, the victims or anything like that. But the, the, the pandemic was different. People were ready to laugh. People were ready to, people were sitting at home. They hadn't brushed their hair. They were wearing possibly no pants um, or at least sweatpants <laughs> and, and going a little crazy. And it was entirely possible to laugh at the ridiculousness of the whole thing without making light of the reason for it. So I think laughter never went away. I think with the pandemic, even with the horrors, laughter never went away. And because I I like to say in this, in this context, comedy equals tragedy plus zoom. (laughs) And we were just able to find the comedy parallel with the tragedy instead of after the tragedy. It's amazing that you could do that as you grieved for your mother. And this has hit you so personally. I mean, how were you able to or were you, or have you been able to put that to one side or have you incorporated it you know, to your, to your work, to your finding your passion? Uh, I don't know. I don't really know exactly how I've been able to sort of juggle, you know, 
that number one worst experience of my life with like running a comedy business. Um, but I think, I think partly it's that it, the whole thing has not hit me. Um, I think that partly the reason the whole thing hasn't hit me, although of course it has, I'm not in denial. Um, but I think partly it's that the whole thing was so surreal because it happened during that time when like the super here, you know, here in, in the States in, in May, it was when people were wiping off their groceries, even, you know, it was when people were, um, you know, not even, you know, looking at family members that were not in their house, much less, um, you know, hugging them. So it was when we didn't really understand, you know, it was when there were, you know, refrigerated trucks um, outside hospitals. It was when, I mean, it was just the, the crazy like war zone siege situation. And so I was one of those people who, um, you know, I couldn't hug, my dad and I didn't hug for a month after, or however long it was, I don't remember, um, after she died. We didn't see her in the hospital, we didn't talk to her. We didn't think, we, we weren't like, oh, need your iPad for FaceTime. We didn't, you know, we just didn't, it was, it was such a, it was crazy. And we didn't have a in-person funeral. We didn't have any of the, like, it was all just, there was not one thing about it that was normal. And I think in some ways that made it easier to kind of, you just, I just gave up on every expectation I would have of how this would go. And it was sort of easier to let go of one thing or the other because you let go of everything. But now thinking back to it, I almost like, I'm like, I did that happen? Like, I cannot, like, I cannot believe that that I cannot, it was so bad. Like, I can't believe it happened. So in a way I'm able to compartmentalize it, which is different from denying it because it definitely happened. Um, and I definitely felt it, but um, there was a way. And the third thing is I think that I also, this is a little bit of a cliche, I guess, but I also kind of didn't have, I did have time to grieve. I did give myself time. Um, because I was alone for a lot of it, like uh, literally alone. I was staying at a neighbor's house um, because I wasn't, I wouldn't go into my dad's house. Like it was that crazy time, right? Mm. But, uh, so I did have time, like I had that period, but like in life I didn't, I went right back to like kids in hybrid school and you know, I, I just, I, I don't, I, I don't know. I just, I, it was so surreal that it, that I, I somehow, there was a level, there still is a level of unreality to it. Um, but also, you know, I think humans, humans just gotta get, humans gotta do, you know, I think, um, and, and I just got ready after about a month that I had to do. And so I just started doing at the same time and humans are complicated and they can, you know, do more than one thing at a time and, and uh, have conflicting realities in their landscape at, at once. So I just did, I got bored with myself, I think. What, what a great way to engage with the world again through comedy, you know, to, to find the, the laughter and the, the joy during, during a really rotten time, particularly for you. I mean, and how have you been able to connect with other people, find your participants and get the word out about gold as something that people would want to do anyway, but particularly now when we really need something like that? The, the very nerdy answer is I think speaks to a larger something. And the nerdy answer is search engine optimization. 
the nerdy answer is SEO. In other words, we built, we originally built the very simple content on our website with lots of keywords and, and, and uh, existing in terms that we know people are searching for. We have lots of like, we have a resource library and articles and interviews and stuff like that, all free, you know, all the free content. We built it um, designed to be found by, you know, by robots and spiders. Um, Cause that's how the, you know, if a robot and, or if, if a robot or a spider can find your site then the humans that you want to have find your site will find your site. And so we've really spent almost nothing on paid um, advertising. And so we find that the people who are coming to us are, and this is interesting because we, my initial concept um, all along had been specifically, um, specifically teen girls, because, you know, we need more women in comedy and more women in comedy starts with more girls in comedy and comedy is great for teens and teens are great for comedy, especially, you know, young girls for, and, and non-binary folks are outside the norm in some way um, because it, you know, it allows you to uh, own your own story and figure out that the thing, the stuff you think is weird about you is the stuff that is actually funny about you and you double down on it instead of hiding it and um, all those things. And, but what we found um, and I have had, we have success. We do have a bunch of teens. Absolutely. But we've also found that a lot of, there's a real sweet spot also in women in their uh, early twenties, mm-hmm. some of whom have already started trying to do comedy and either before or because of the pandemic um, were, well, no, especially, I think really actually the pandemic isn't much of a factor here, but they're, they're, they, my, they have, uh, shown that one of my hypotheses was true, which is that like, there's still not, you know, pandemic or no pandemic, there's not a whole lot of super comfy places for people who are not straight white dudes to try comedy, learn comedy, fail often at comedy, which everyone does and be treated as the primary person that, uh, the teacher is talking to, or that the, crowd is, or that the, um, that the, that it, who is the primary person in the, in a community. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, all of us have, you know, remember being, you know, the only woman in a stand up class or, mm-hmm. um, being the only female in a lineup or, and, you know, where the MC will be like, and now we got a lady coming to the stage, um, or being told that we're not going to be in the lineup because they already have a woman. Um, and that's, that happened when I did stand up in the, in the nineties and it's, you know, it was still happening. And so my hypothesis, so that is something I wanted to sort of preempt for teen girls, but I also have found that um, people are just looking for a place where they will be the norm mm. in comedy. Um and especially, and, and so I found that to be true based on people finding us just by searching for comedy classes for women, comedy, you know, uh, comedy, or, or they'll be searching for how do I do comedy? How do I learn comedy? Or how do I write comedy? Or uh, how do I write a joke? And we have all that on our website. And then they come to our website and they're like, oh, but wait, this, this website is talking to me. Um, because if you look for a, a lot of... Um, 
a lot of online comedy classes and also also you know brick and mortar comedy classes every single one i found online last year last time i really searched was a straight white dude talking which is fine you know straight white dude with a whiteboard whatever which is fine that guy can teach comedy all day long but all of them were straight white guys i mean i don't know their lives i'm assuming they're straight i don't know but you know mm-hmm. but then they would be like okay so their first joke would be like okay so example joke uh let's do one about my girlfriend my girlfriend is so blonde and i'd be like okay you can do that joke all day long bruce um and it might even be a great joke doubt it might even be a great joke but with that joke you have just told half your potential customers that they're not your customer mm-hmm. because that's not going to be my joke. Like it's not, not going to be my joke. You know, it's just, mm-hmm. so, uh, it was, so people find us with, you know, especially women, um, or just people who are, you know, outside whatever norm they find us. Cause they're like, Oh my God, finally, I don't have to sit and like get in, and reinterpret the girlfriend jokes the straight dude girlfriend jokes to be relevant to me to figure out what I can learn from this. And this is so exciting for me to hear you talk about this because of course we met back in the late 90s when I profiled you for People magazine and oh, yeah. I went to before I met you in person I my assignment was to watch you do comedy which was awesome and I recall you were part of a all-female lineup, which was great. And I guess I didn't realize at the time that that was unusual. You know, it just seemed really normal. And I loved it. It was hilarious. So it's interesting that you're saying that there's still a need for this, that, that, I mean, late nineties was going back a bit. And yet here we are (laughs) saying there still is this gap in the market, you know, that comedy hasn't, would you say evolved so that. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely evolving hundred percent. Like it is so much better. I want to be clear. It is so much better. And, you know, and insofar as there were all female lineups back, back then and continued to be what you'll, what you might find, not always, but what you, what you might more often find is that it's like ladies night or it's ladies of laughter or you know, I'm, I'm not, I don't mean to invoke anyone's particular brand name, but I'm saying like funny females, like it's a, like women are a theme, you know, as opposed to like, you would like now what I'm working toward is a world where you'd have a lineup that's like, you know, uh, you know, four women of color and one white dude, and that's just comedy. Mm. It's not a theme night, you know? Um, and of course, mix in there, I, I reduced it to small. I mean, mix in there, people of color, people of different abilities, people of different, um, you know, people of all different genders, whatever. I don't mean to be quite so reductive, but the point is like, it shouldn't have to be like pride night for it to be a bunch of gay comics. You know, it shouldn't have to be comedy for people of color for it to be mostly people of color, you know? And uh, that's what, that's where, that's where things really need to go. That it's sort of almost like not obvious, you know, who, you know, what's that it would be weird now. And it, it, it's getting weirder. Um, it is getting weirder to see like an all white dude lineup, all straight white dude is definitely getting weirder. Um, but it, but it's more subtle than that. You know, it is, as I was saying, it's more like who do the teachers or even MCs or club owners, you know, assume is their audience, is their audience themselves? Is there, are, are they creating programs and products for straight white dudes or are they figuring out how to be more inclusive? You know, it, a while ago, this has changed a lot, but a while ago, one big barrier was managers. Mm-hmm. 
it was um, our managers taking on enough people who are not recommended to them by other straight white dudes or seen in other straight white dude venues. So all they're, they're only taking on straight white dudes. And that's a big barrier to entry is not having management. So same thing with writer's rooms. Are writer, writer's rooms hiring only the people they know from the lampoon who not long ago were all straight white dudes? You know, not all, you know what I mean? Um, so it's the, it's, the, it's the formal and informal networking and gatekeeping um, that is, as I said, oh, wow, is it changing? It's changing a lot. It changed a lot with Black Lives Matter, surely, but before that it was changing and the democratizing of comedy on the internet, which was happening along before long before the pandemic has changing is cha has changed or has changed things has changed it has changed the accessibility and content of comedy um and fortunately um you know it's not just it's not just oh do i have a place to express myself it also needs to be do i have a place where i'm going to get paid for comedy and that's slower to change but it is it's definitely changing we just want to be part of that change that's, and who do you, who are your idols or who do you look up to in this field? Right now, um, I'm super into um, a comedian and writer named uh, Naomi Ekparrigan. She's getting huge. She's going to be huge, but she's already very big and growing fast. And she's going to be even huger, um, you know, when you listen to this next year, um, as people will. I know they will listen to this one episode of the podcast over and over. Um, <laughs> Uh, and I'm super, she's just a brilliant sort of awkward, I don't even know. She's just, she's so funny. She used to write for Broad City. She does, her standup is amazing. She's on Love It or Leave It all the time. Uh, one of my favorite podcasts. And she's just really unique and great. Um, but the, uh, and the other ones I love currently are Cameron Esposito, who had she, her, Oh my God, I love her so much. She, she had a special come out called um, Rape Jokes, which is as audacious as it sounds, that came out right after Hannah Gadsby's, or right before Hannah Gadsby made a huge splash with, with her first show. And it's, and it's very similar in that it, it starts out as pretty standard, but I mean, very well-written, very high-level stand-up. And then once she kind of gets you in there, then she starts really aggressively taking down rape culture, patriarchy, all of those things um, in a really kind of really brilliant way. Um, and I feel like if it had nothing against Hannah Gadsby, but if it hadn't been for <laughs> the timing of um, Hannah Gadsby's first show, then Cameron Esposito would be even more of a household name. So I love her. Um, and I love uh, Maria Bamford. Love her, love her, love her, love her. Um, her stand-up is weird and brilliant. Her sitcom is weird and brilliant. And it's all very much owning her struggles with mental health um, in a way that is just vivid and colorful. and makes you think like we are thinking the wrong way about mental health, meaning obviously it's something that I don't mean to be flip. Obviously it's something that creates ma major challenges understatement for people who who live with mental health issues but at the same time the level of brilliance that can come out of this sort of atypical mental setting uh is is really remarkable and maria bamford is a is a is a is an example of that uh so those are three that i really love right now and I love, and if you could talk about your own persona, because of course, when I met you, you had created um, Breakup Girl, 
as, and I'd love to hear how that has evolved and how is, is this current role similar to that in terms of being captain of your own ship and thinking of ideas and personifying them. Yeah, so I so I co-created Breakup Girl with my um, creative partner, Chris, who um, funnily enough, I'm saying the name Chris and I mean, podcast listeners can't see this, but I'm looking out the window at the back of his brownstone because we've never, we haven't really managed to live very far apart for um, <laughs> <laughs> since 1994 when we were roommates and cooked up um, Breakup Girl in our kitchen. Um, so Breakup Girl is, is a superhero. She's the only superhero who can save love lives. And Chris, as a um, as a brilliant artist and animator, um, and sort of fan and devotee of of genres like superheroes and pulp novels and sort of old school classic visuals and conceits like that, um, cooked up that idea with me when we were writing um, a book about. It. We were collaborating on a book in the '90s about how to survive a breakup mm-hmm. and out of that came this idea for this care. Like we don't, you know, we just, super, we, we don't, you know, help for that can't come from a normal person. It's got to come from a superhero. <laughs> and that turned into the idea for the superhero named, named Breakup Girl, who um, helped everyone with various um, and all sorts of you know, romantic emergencies. Um, and that turned into, so she became the main character in that book at the time. And then we launched uh, Breakup Girls website in 1997 when like only NASA had websites and it became obviously much smaller field but became a huge cult um, hit at the time. I, I don't have any like numbers because we didn't count numbers then. There, <laughs> there was no Google or analytics or Google analytics but Breakup Girl became huge and really the whole time it was not, we always as anyone does, we drew stories from our own lives but she was not an auto- autobiographical character. Really where the, 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 the drive for the idea came from really what makes any story and especially kind of larger than life superhero stories uh work is the is the human all of the human emotions and and experiences that you can write large through the idea of a superhero and in particular we this evolved but it really became a mission to use humor and comics and comedy to change the way people talk about relationships Because and that's like my through line for all, for all like I, sure I've zigged and zigged and zagged in my career, but um, it's never I've never I've never zigged far or zagged far, or zug whatever the past tense is far <laughs> from um, zug from the idea of how humor and comedy can humanize and connect and not just at a personal level level which they can, but also at a level that really changes culture. And that's kind of where the social justice piece for me comes in that has has always been there as well. So to have a superhero who, you know, happened to be female, but who handled questions and crises from men, women, older, younger, uh, people of all, like this people of all different gender identities before we even talked about that stuff, mm. gay stuff, you know, all these issues that then were like, we talked about, we you know, we talked about everything and everyone. We talked about relationship violence we talked about and even just to have a space like a a brand or a space that was about relationships but that was not for women Mm -hmm. was that was revolutionary 
because, you know, if you're talking, even if you're just talking about straight relationships, half of them are with men. Why are the, why is it, why are these things only for, for, for women? It was dumb. <laughs> so with the idea of a superhero who was both like better than you, cause she's super, but also accessible cause she's fictional. We were able to break down those barriers in a, you know, and, and really, you know, that's, that's, that's really, that really kind of became the that really became kind of the, yeah, the mission and the vision. Um, and I think we really, I think we succeeded in large part. I mean, well, not for the whole world, but I mean, with the, with what the brand did. But it's so interesting to see the evolution of your career that it does feel like there are, it, it harkens back to those ideas, safe space and accessibility and mm -hmm. heroics. No, it's, it's, it's really wonderful. And so how can people find gold comedy for our listeners who are now inspired to seek you out? Oh, thank you. Our website is goldcomedy.com and there's tons of free resources there, interviews with celebrities and how tons of how-tos in terms of creating comedy or getting jobs in comedy. And then for people who are interested, we have what we call the Gold Comedy Club, um, which you can make your way to through the website. And that's our subscription-based place where you get all the stuff that I talked about for an annual subscription. And you get basically 24-7 courses that ro we rotate four-week courses. We have mini courses. We have uh, weekly celebrity Q&As. We have open mics. We have performances. And what we have 24-7 is just this act, this place where other we have basically it's a you know a feed a discussion board that's everyone where everyone talks shares ideas asks for feedback makes jokes um and so now people have really made friends across uh, you know our sweet spot is really like ages you know women and non-binary folks between let's say age like our youngest is 14 mm -hmm. um up to about 25 um, so, gen, you know, hardcore Gen Z, a few older folks um, who are older folks, but, you know, folks in their um, 30s and up who are just like, I just like it here. Um, uh, so all so you get all that. It's like getting on a cruise ship. Once you get on the ship, you get all of that. There's no extra levels or tiers or you're just once you're in, you're in and you get all that stuff. Yeah. So they can find that all of that you can find directly or indirectly at, at goldcomedy.com. That is wonderful. And how do you get your celebrity interviews, your Q&As? Well, I, I will tell you, we had Rachel Bloom. It was insane. Um, and, and Rachel Bloom and Aline Brosh McKenna from who co-created Crazy Gap Girlfriend. And it was a love fest. I can't even tell you. And then we had Judy Gold the week before, no relation. I told her, I, I said, Judy, I didn't name Gold Comedy after you, but I didn't not. Um, she, was, she was amazing. That was like, Judy Gold's Q&A was like a, um, like a giant motivational speech in a mega church. You know, I mean, there were like, you know, 20 people there, but it was like, it was, she was like, basically, can I swear on your show? Sure. Yeah. So the whole time she was like, fuck them. Don't listen to them. Do your own thing. Fuck them all. Do your own thing like, over and over. And it was so funny. Um, and, and people were like, I mean, everyone was so inspired. They were like, I will, Judy, I will. Um, <laughs> and uh, so anyway, I, well, I've, I've, I'm, first of all, I'm not young. I've, I, uh, um, despite how fabulous I may look, sorry, listeners, you can't see this right now. Um, so I've been, I've been around in and around comedy since 
1990. No, bef- yeah, since 1990. And some of the people who are super famous now were in our, you know, dorky little band of, of newbies in the 90s. So I know people from that. And just from the, I've just been, I just, I just, I, I'm good at, you know, making friends, staying friends with people or asking or figuring out everyone who is like one degree away from someone um, that I could ask. And I also have been doing a lot of, I've just, I've never not been involved in some way in comedy with, I, you know, I help nonprofits book their events, you know, book their fundraisers. Mm-hmm. I co-founded a fundraising comedy fundraising series called Persisticon um, that has been really huge here um, for the last few years, huge. And now we're, now we're online also. And so, you know, whoever I hadn't already booked, I've started booking for Persisticon. So you just, you know, you just get to know people and, and it's a pretty easy ask. Um, who did I ask cold recently? Most people are people I know in some in some way, but I feel like I asked someone really famous, totally cold. Oh no, yeah, the other day I asked um, Taylor Garen, who I didn't know, who was an editor at Reductress and is now an editor at The Onion, and I asked, just asked her cold, and she was like, sure, why not? Um, so it's just half an hour, you know? I'm like, come inspire the next generation. It's a closed event, so they're not worried about like, you know, it's, it's past the paywall. So they're, they feel comfortable that they're not going to like have something on YouTube, some candid moment on YouTube that they (laughs) don't want out there, you know? So, um, it's pretty easy. They can always say no, but, uh, they're pretty, people are very, you'll find people are very generous. Oh, well you build something great and people want to be involved. I guess the moral to that. Yeah. I mean, and, and it's unique, you know, um, and, uh, yeah, people are nice. People are really nice. And it's so, to your theme of community, it's I what I love hearing, I think to a one, every single guest in our Q&As has said that the most important thing when you're starting out and ongoingly is your community. Hmm. And, you know, I just said it myself that the way I'm getting all these people, like some of them are people that I knew or knew indirectly in 1994, you know, and, um, and that we're still, that I'm still connected to in some way. And that's what we're building now, like a place for you, like you're, you know, maybe you feel like you're the only funny one in your high school, but we're all over here laughing with you. Um, where people across generations and, and all over the country, um, and from all different backgrounds are coming together by drawn by the magnet of wanting to make and be part of comedy. And so it's that community that we can't necessarily, you know, have in other places and spaces now. And we've all figured out how important it is, however we can get it. And we're able to, to do that now. So it's, it's really, you know, uh, it's very, gra- honestly, it's very gratifying. So it's really, really gratifying. Well, congratulations. And it's so Thanks. exciting for me to see this. It's like the one good thing, Jill, seriously, it's the one good thing that happened in 2020 that we launched on this new platform. I'm not kidding. Like, <laughs> it's been like, but the contrast is you know, night and day, everything sucked, um, except uh, being able to make this move and, and open our doors in this new space. So i um, very happy about it. Well, thank you for sharing your stories and your time with us. It's great My to pleasure. see and hear from you and best wishes for it and stay in touch. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thanks to everyone who joined us on this episode of How to Build a Village. We look forward to seeing you next time.